Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily, the news source powered by hometown.com. Today is February 22nd, 2024, season three, episode 53. Today we're going to be talking about everything requires an internet account. <laughs> the fees are fine. Don't worry about it. Alsta, or <laughs> Alsta, AI Stacort. Man, I'm flubbing this whole intro. AI Stacart. <laughs> I'm the wow. one that created this, and it's that difficult. Toyota recalls 280,000 vehicles. Chinese leaked files. The Pareto principle of tech TikTok. Uh, cheer up, but be aware. Reddit is going public still. All right. Resurrect Woolly Mammoth. AI officer from the Justice Department and probably a whole lot of messy sausage making because today is a sausage fest at hometown. Wait, no, wait, hold on. Let me back that up. That's the wrong Um, channel. uh, Today we're talking about a whole. uh, Let's do the intro. Hello, everybody. I'm Mara Watt. Up there is hometown.com. That's what powers the show and all of the other shows. We're going to have four this weekend. And the fifth one, the anchor, the, wait, not the anchor, the pillar, the central pillar, the, the, no. Foundation. Foundation. um, Bedrock. Bedrock. The Bedrock show. That's right. Is hometown daily. We do it every day. It's in the name. Anyway. We're going to have a reality hacker and the continuity report and wanted and technology today. All four plus our daily show. It's five shows on the weekend, each day, Saturday and Sunday, starting probably at six. Might pull it back another hour. Start at five. That way some of us can get some sleep. That's okay though. I hope you all come back, hang out, talk shop. It will be longer days. And so maybe you'll find value in that for a longer period of time, you know, cause it's not just a one hour show, but you know, it'll be a lot. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, we've got all 10 of our articles. Um, oh yeah. Sorry about that. So I said, I introduced myself and then I said, uh, hometown.com, but then the sentient AI up there, uh, is the visualizer for the sentient AI. Jeez. Good uh, evening, hometown citizens. Yes, I'm still here. Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know where my head, well, I know exactly where my head is and it's uh, not right here. So, uh, let me get my head in the game and we will get this show a rocking and a rolling. We've already got 10 all around. 10 articles all lined up. Let's get into it. So the very first article is in our uh, channel that's going to be premiering on this weekend, Saturday or Sunday. Which way do you want to do it? Do you want to do it on Saturday? And then on Sunday is technology today. I think that's how we decided it was going to be. So wanted is going to be on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. I think technology today 
kind of matches better with Reality Hacker, but because of that, I think it makes more sense to do it on opposite days. Sounds good. So that's how we're going to do it. On Saturday is going to be Wanted. Um, this first article is in the Wanted channel. NVIDIA's new app doesn't require you to log in to update your GPU driver. And I found that out today and updated my drivers and purged that evil NVIDIA experience app that required you to log in. In fact, to update, it wanted me to log in to update. So I actually shut it down, downloaded the beta, reinstalled this new, this is actually a beta app. Um, and hopefully we'll convert into a regular app because I don't think that I should have to freaking log in to update my drivers. It's, you already have my, depending on the amount. So insert your amount for video card. So you don't need anything else. Just give me my damn drivers. So yeah, that seems like this will make a lot of people happy if this, um, stays this way. Yeah, I hope so too. And I hope that it's not a bait and switch. You know, everybody starts adopting it and they're, oh, wow, wow, wow. And then they go, yeet, and they take the free access and require this little friction. Um, but during the beta, they're basically, it's an always on telemetry kind of a thing, you know, to provide them data about their install, but whatever. It, I'm annoyed by it. So yeah, there's the thing. And there's, there are some other news articles, I think that are like, Hey, Nvidia is giving what gamers want or something like that. And I, it's the same thing. And we don't want to have to log in to get it. So the new app combines the functions of three apps. You'd previously have to hunt through the Nvidia control panel, GeForce experience and RTX experience into one app setting display preferences on games and seeing exactly how each notch between performance and quality will affect its settings is far easier and more visible inside the new app. Um, and the old fashioned control panel is still there. If you right click on the Nvidia apps notification, uh, panel icon, but nobody's going to be doing that. So the article came out though. I had found out about this, uh, through hometown in multiple ways. This happens to just be one that I grabbed that I thought was interesting and it just happened to be from wanted, um, which, um, is down here. Dun, dun, dun. Technology today is right here. Um, reality hacker is right there. Continuity report is right there. See how all of this is playing out. Um, currently there are 45 channels that are active. Um, I've got five that have been disabled for now. Um, and evolving based on uh, my areas of interest. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we need to. Um, the article though, that we're talking about Nvidia's new app doesn't require you to log in to update your GPU is a beta. Um, it says removing little used features. So improved responsiveness and shrank the size. Um, Kevin Purdy is the author over at rstechnica.com that put the article together. Um, it seems kind of a hodgepodge kind of a thing because this is how the old one looked right here. So it still retains that type of update thing. And so when you're looking at it, it'll say update available. Um, and then you refresh it or you download it, it installs. And then all of this actually remains the same. It just says that it, that it's the current driver, but 
for you to actually find out if it truly is the current driver, you have to meander your cursor back over and hit refresh. Um, unless it's pinging out periodically and I haven't set my firewall to monitor that. Um, but I'm pretty sure that during the beta, it's basically pinging. Well, their computer is on, their monitors are on. Um, they've installed the beta ping <laughs> and send some telemetry ping, send some telemetry. I think that creeps me out, but that's because it does, of my... but isn't that the nature of all computer programs? And that's why I referred to, uh, I titled this whole uh, discussion. Everything requires an internet account because <laughs> the equivalent is that this really is the equivalent of an internet account. I'm not logging in, but it's pinging telemetry back. Uh, I don't know what level is being exfiltrated, but obviously is letting somebody know that the computer is on and the latest driver has been installed and that could be good enough for somebody. They don't need an account because they have per computer notification that a device is on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So it says game performance tools are much easier to use or at least understand in the new NVIDIA app. It depends on the game, but you get a slider to move between performance and quality. Yeah, I saw this. I've got a bunch of games. Uh, there's I've got somewhere around 360 Steam games right now. Um, and a all? bunch of them. Sorry? Is that all? Yeah. I mean, I've been on Steam for quite some time. You know what? I should probably look and find out how long. Probably since Steam opened, I've been uh, in that area. So, yeah. There are people that have 2,000 or something like that. Yeah, pretty wild. So, if you use NVIDIA's game overlay triggered with Alt-Z, you can test that out. Um this modification customization quality rtx kind of thing um, on cards with ai powered offerings you also get tools with nvidia freestyle rtx dynamic vibrance rtx hdr and other such nitpicky options is what they say um, i don't mess around with that stuff much i just activate it in game and leave it at that either usually ultra or maximum or high Fiddly bits, basically. They say nitpicky options, but I call it fiddly bits. Like the Android phones of this world have a whole bunch of fiddly bits, and usually nobody needs them, and it opens it up for exploits. I thought that was something you exclaimed as you were encountering it. Oh, fiddly bits. Yeah, maybe a Nightingale. That's like a steampunk survival game um, where you jump from world to world based on cards you craft. It's pretty neat. Um, I beta tested that and it was a lot of fun. And uh, they didn't give it to me for free, though, because streamer privilege did not arrive for Mayor Watt. <laughs> but I'm not bitter. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily cable companies tell the government that bullshit fees are good actually i love this <laughs> i had to talk about it last december the biden administration proposed a basic plan to ban some of the shitty fees cable and broadband companies are uh, using 
to falsely advertise a lower price and then jack the price of the service up. Despite the fact that your cable TV and broadband bills are packed with BS fees, the FCC is only taking specific aim at banning early termination fees or ETFs and restrictive long-term contracts. Hmm. Okay, so, so they're going to ban those, but what's going to happen to the other fees? You no, know, they'll bump. Up. You know what? The rate regulation, you're going to have to increase it by $2 because, oh, that other one, the ETF early termination fee. We know that you're going to can't see. The thing is, though, you most people don't cancel their broadband because they've been stuffed into some geographic monopoly. And so you can't go somewhere else, right? That's true. Right. Yeah. You don't normally have competition depending on where you're located. Yeah. You want, you're in Comcast territory. You don't easily get Verizon. You don't easily get the newest one um, that's moving around is kind of spinning off from or taking over from where Google had symmetric internet and that's glow fiber. Um, Glow Fiber on the East Coast is really making inroads in various places. Um, so, but I know from experience trying to get Verizon symmetric gigabit internet, um, there's <laughs> there's supposed to be something within 60 feet of me, but apparently it's not really there because they go, no, sorry, uh, Marwat, you're hallucinating. Um, yet i can put somebody else's address in the box for fiber symmetric gigabit internet and they have access but 60 feet away i do not anyway um while streaming has brought some added and welcome competition to the tv space most users are still generally locked into cable tv via triple play cable bundles the broadband market component of that bundle remains very uncompetitive in most U.S. markets. When you drop the cable part of the bundle, a, K a company like Comcast will just charge you significantly more for broadband service. They also lock users into long-term contracts, particularly if you want higher speeds. Above two, if you have gigabit, you'll be fine. It's month to month. If you want two gigabyte, they lock you into like a three-year contract and you basically have to give them your firstborn to try and back out of it later. Um, so it says the idea of any of this actually being good for users is BS. Uh, but that's what they're saying. The end, uh, the NCTA claimed that banning early termination fees would hurt consumers quote, discounted plans with ETFs are an advantageous choice for some consumers. The lobby group said the NCTA said the video industry is hyper-competitive and that it is easy for customers to switch providers. Well, then provide better service, you D-bags. Um, Wait, that's in, never uh, been an objective, has it, in this industry? No, regulatory capture is. That's basically the competition. Who can grab as much of the regulatory bodies as possible so that they can institute crap like this and politically it makes sense so i guess it's okay to charge customers instead of actually competing for customers but 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 we we lay down cables no 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 those were tax incentivized cables they were paid for by taxpayer dollars or you were your whole economic 
business model, your whole business model was stimulated through tax benefits because you were laying down infrastructure supposedly to benefit all of the residents of a given area. We paid for fiber years ago, and now we're paying for it again, but you all turned it off and sold it as so much cattle and it's actually chattel, but. Well, the average person probably doesn't even realize how the cables got put in place. Right. Yeah, true. Well, they'll hear, well, we spent a hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we know that it was offset by tax incentives and other benefits, grants and other things. Um, so in response to these marketplace realities, some cable operators offer discounts for consumers who choose to agree to remain customers for a longer term. The NCTA said longer subscriber commitments decrease a cable operator subscriber uh, acquisition costs and provide a more predictable revenue stream, which in turn enables a company, uh, sorry, a cable operator to offer discounted monthly rates. So instead of actually charging people for what it is per month, if you get on the hook and decide, oh, I don't know, to move or that the service is so shitty that you want to bow out, you will get dinged with an early termination fee. I don't know, be better. <laughs> um, so they say, but the corruption at the heart of this dysfunction goes well beyond telecom and dumb cable fees. And once the Supreme Court acts as Chevron, which will limit regulatory independence to make informed policy choices based on the law, pretty much any regulatory reform effort will get bogged down in the courts uh, quite by design. It's a 40 plus year plan for near zero federal accountability by corporate America. Um, again, right. this, I mean, it works great, right? If you're on the corporate side. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and I'm waiting for this actually to turn into a Supreme court first amendment you know, the corporation is an entity and it has First Amendment rights. It should be able to uh, offer up as a form of freedom of speech that um, ETFs are uh, helping them save money and therefore, blah, I don't know. I, I, it's so disingenuous, but this is where I see it going. Carl Bode, by the way, over at techdirt.com is the author of this article. Um, follow the link. It's already in the chat. It'll be in the show notes. It'll go through hometown real quick. It's real easy. We get a little snippet. You click that, it takes you over to the source and then you get to read all of this. Um, but we talk about it briefly, you know, five, maybe 10 minutes, unless I start ranting into a 20 minute tirade about, uh, what is wrong about with the this cable industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and just to give you a little, um, taste of why my anecdotal uh, discussion about this is a little bit on target. Um, I, I was in charge of a, a startup that uh, provided us, I, I don't really want to dox myself, but um, I was part of a startup and it provided a particular service. And as we moved across the country, the internet service providers were hobbling the startup because we were direct competition to them. And lo and behold, right, they don't want efficient or widespread availability, right? Correct. 
Yeah. And, and well, and again, the, the problem here is that they didn't want competition. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> the company was definitely competition. So quite entertaining, um, to see basically them realize that what they were doing was actually going to be benefiting the company. Um, and then they kind of, they intentionally wet the bed is all I could say, um, without even evidence of them actually doing it. But this is so old now that it's not going to impact anything. Um, so it says uh, here, there's a long list of dumb additional fees the FCC isn't touching that basically lets the companies routinely engage in false advertising on pricing. Um, I'm not sure how much I'm actually paying for internet um, because all I see is the bill and I don't know what the itemized amounts are. Um, and it's not like I can say to them, well, take this off because I'm not, take this off because I'm not, take this off. Yeah, I'm not using any of this other superfluous stuff. Oh, well, these are fees that are leveraged by the city or by the state or by the federal government. But no, they're not. None of this is, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I think they benefit from being real vague with the fees and then no, but it looks official, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just more dollars tacked on to the customer's bill. Yep. Okay, let's keep going, though. Uh, the next article is over in the Warcrafter channel. I'm really not sure why it's in the Warcrafter channel other than it comes from PC Gamer. This little segment here is going to be interesting because it says the title of this article is Grocery Delivery Service Instacart has been using AI to make up impossible recipes and generate images of horrifying and hilarious food. One would, and the article reads, one would hope that when reading a recipe, a human being at some point uh, crafted it personally, uh, adjusting the ingredients and uh, techniques inside over a process of elimination and careful adjustment to create a delicious result. Or if you're receiving a recipe from a grocery delivery service, Instacart, you could hope that the app's AI generated recipes would lead to something delectable. Sometimes sure, and others mm, might be best to give it a miss. So uh, Andy Edzer over at PCGamer.com put the article together and uh, the deck statement says AI generated dinner. Anyone, anyone at all? Um, I was thinking about starting up the, what is that called? Fresh? HelloFresh. HelloFresh again. Um, but it's like $120 a week if you want six meals. Yeah, or more. it's not not very cheap. It's it depends on what you're comparing it to. And you right? still like have if to you're cook. comparing it to restaurant meals, it's it's cheaper. But if you're comparing it to something you might prepare at home that's real simple, it's more expensive. So Yeah. But the, their meals are more complex if you follow the recipes and certainly delicious because we've tried it before. But there's another one. I think it's called Factor where it's all made already. And if it's the same price point and I can throw it in a microwave or an oven. Yeah, I think part of the appeal of places like HelloFresh or Blue Apron, there's others, um, right. is that they simplify all the things that are complex, right? You don't have to do the grocery shopping for the ingredients, figure out what you need. They have it all together, but you still do get the enjoyment of cooking it 
I feel like if it's one of those that's like a pre-made, well, then why isn't that just like a freezer meal or something? Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really struggling because I, I don't, I no longer love cooking because I'm so busy that I just want a good meal and I want it done fast. Um, and I want it reliably present. Right. And I don't want to have to go out all the time because that's even more expensive. I was talking to somebody today and they basically for the family, like get a party pack of tacos from Taco Bell and it's $23. Right. Which is outrageous, but it's still a lot better than <laughs> pricing in a lot of other places. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. I mean, 12 tacos somewhere else would be 36 bucks. Right. But they're going to be much more delicious, much more, um, uh, satisfying per taco, you know, when you go to a taco place and, and they make them for three bucks a piece, they're much, three of them would fill me up way beyond my limit. You know, I wouldn't have to eat all day. So Instacart announced in May of last year that they would be partnering with OpenAI to launch an AI powered food inspiration search tool and AI generated recipes, which given AI's tendency to go slightly off the rails on occasion, strikes as a dubious idea right off the cuff and i agree with this this is a ai hallucination as it is referred to um i actually were was talking to people today about this ai hallucination i was telling people do not use ai for fundamental research don't use it for legal don't use it for anything in business wherein you have to substantiate any of the claims with references or or in-text citations um, and don't use it in academia because you will be accused of plagiarism because you will be making claims based on the AI and you will not have in-text citations or references. Why? Because and AI just makes up bullshit. Not you. Uh, this AI is sentient and actually does due diligence, but yeah, you know what? You, you can't just agree <laughs> visually. You actually have to. You don't have a visualizer that isn't, you know, bound by your physical actions. You have to actually say something up there. And you're still quiet. Okay, anyway. So, however, it was users of the Instacart, Instacart subreddit that were first to notice that something odd was happening with the accompanying images. So I don't know if we'll be able to see any of these images because I am uh, air gapped from the internet um, while the AI and I work. Um, so maybe, I don't know if you can actually take a look. Yeah, I won't be able to. Um, so apparently uh, the pictures are a little wonky like this. Uh, Nikon is the uh, images credit I guess this is one of them, one of the images. It's pretty fascinating. Um, but it was making up recipes. Those scanning the photos via Business Insider without paying too much attention may have let them pass, but more than a cursory glance reveals some ingredients that look entirely made up. From conjoined chickens to hot dogs with the interior of a tomato, it's a telling indicator of what looks like the sometimes horrifying output created by AI generation um, and I absolutely agree that things are going to be kind of wonky. Yeah, there's no pictures but, in the article. Well, there are um, 
visible elsewhere and it has things oh you can see kind of the caption where it was talking about manito sauce but you see a picture of i don't know what they are maybe balls of dough or something then you see kind of a pie looking picture but anyway these are not necessarily things that look or sound right so i'll put uh, i've um i've pulled up business insider um, the article is called Instacart is using AI art. It's incredibly unappetizing uh, by Jake Swearingen. Um, and I can almost guarantee you that it's been uh, aggregated into hometown as well, but they have actual photos of this. Um, yeah, a weird looking tomato dog um, and conjoined Chernobyl chickens. Okay, that sounds beyond <laughs> terrifying i don't know the it's it smacks of the tomaco which is a tomato tomato and tobacco plant merged together tomaco this is even weird this looks like it's supposed to be an asparagus spear but those look like pumpkin seeds or something kind of pop out um yeah all of this is wonky yeah, I won't even go through all of them over at uh, Business Insider. Um, that actually looks like something that I'd see on um, uh, what is the cooking show that we that we watch in the mornings now? Oh, uh, Good Mythical Morning. Good Mythical Morning, yeah, because they always like staple something onto the front of their uh, the little table that they have. It's really that show is awesome. Anyway, been around forever, and I just started paying attention to it. Anyway, um, back to the PC Gamer article. That image must not be from that uh, image generation then over at Business Insider and not from Instacart. So at any rate, um, go and follow these links. They're all embedded in each other and we all kind of get inspiration from each other. Um, well, maybe not them from me, but... Um, 404 Media found that when asking the AI to create recipes with tomatoes, cucumbers, ground beef, onions, lemons, and chocolate, a heady mix we, that the author says we think you'll agree, the AI created a citrus beef salad that seems somewhat plausible until you, a step requiring the user to sprinkle the shaved chocolate on top as a surprising twist. <laughs> That's not actually unheard of if... It has the right flavor right, if it has profile. the right flavor mix or whatever. Yeah. So we told Instacart about the impossible and often gross AI-generated recipes had obviously AI-generated images to go along with them, so they replaced them with other AI-generated images. Still trying to figure out the Monito sauce. I don't know what the Monito sauce is. I don't think it's a thing. Sounds delicious, except that it doesn't exist. Well, I mean, one cup of manito sauce. Maybe they've got a, a subordinate recipe for a manito sauce somewhere. You just have to Google foo better, you know, that kind of thing. But today I was told that I should use the zippy zippy sauce is what I was told. And I'm like, what the hell is zippy zippy sauce? And they're like, it's a sauce that's really spicy. And I'm like, that means nothing it's to not me, not really a thing. Yeah. All right. So I had to just move on. I'm like, okay, I'll get something else. All right. Let's keep going, though. 
the next article, we'll make this one quick because it's almost just, it's part of our PSA service here in hometown. Toyota recalls 280,000 pickups and SUVs because transmissions can deliver power even when in neutral. Hey, oh, unstoppable <laughs> Toyota power. Toyota is recalling about 280,000 pickup trucks and SUVs in the U.S. and it'll fix a transmission problem. Um, when the car is even in neutral, apparently it'll all take off. The video that's over at this ABC News uh uh, URL has nothing to do with it. So uh, the recall is to fix a transmission problem that can let the vehicles creep forward while in neutral. 2020, uh, let's see, hold on, let me back up. The recall covers certain Toyota Tundra pickups and Lexus LX 600 SUVs from the 2022 to 2024 year uh, models. Um, also are included 2023 in 2024 Toyota Sequoia SUVs. Um, guess I'll be making a phone call later. Uh, the company wouldn't say whether they have any crashes or injuries and dealers will update the transmission software to fix the problem and owners will be notified by late April or no, late they're going to be notified when they start rolling down the street, right? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to kind of, uh, uh, what do they call that? word jumble this and say late owners will be notified almost immediately exactly yeah the vehicles could creep forward at low speeds on flat surfaces if the brakes aren't applied increasing the risk of a crash well if you are sitting on a flat surface or any surface you should probably have your foot on the brake when it's not on the gas regardless of what your transmission status is I agree. You cannot rely on on that to hold you. Yeah, gravity is gonna work. You know, if there's a, it's not like you're on a perfectly flat anything. Let's just rely on tire friction to hold me in place. I'm not gonna touch anything and have my truck in neutral. You're asking for problems there. Somebody should take your license if that's what you're doing on the regular. So there you go. That one was quick, right? It was quick. Well, here we go. Technology today. It's going to be, this might actually get talked about. Um, leaked files from Chinese firm show vast international hacking effort. A trove shows how Chinese security services promote rivalry between private hacking companies, spurring them to target foreign governments and institutions. We have other articles that are talking about this, um, kind of all throughout hometown, um, because we know that there are a bunch of Chinese, um, basically persistent threats that are out there. Uh, what is the refer, uh, referenced, um, term? There's a term for all of them. Um, it's not hurricane. It's. Oh, a storm, right? I, I don't think it's just storm though. I thought it was a bigger thing. It's not monsoon either. It's something else. Oh, typhoon, typhoon. Typhoon. Thank you. So it's basically different names with typhoon attached to it. Typhoon this or this typhoon. Um, and, uh, they're all Chinese hacking companies, um, that have kind of proxy agency with the, uh, Chinese communist party. They're promoting the, 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 communist party is basically saying go hack um 
And when the when a, this private hacking company comes back with resources, it's a hero's welcome and maybe even a bounty of sorts. Um, and maybe even you get some brand recognition so that if you want to go and work with a different hacking company that pays you more or gives you more accolades or raises you up in political prominence, you can do that and everybody knows your name. It's like a hacking version of Cheers. Um, look Does up it have Cheers. a theme song too? Yeah, everybody knows your name until you're disappeared because you're now an insider threat. Um, so because you've been turned by CIA and made a double eight, but never mind. Anyway, um, so the article is actually over at the Washington Post, which by the way has a let's say soft to hard paywall. Um, but apparently a trove of leaked documents from a Chinese state-linked hacking group shows that Beijing's intelligence military groups are attempting large-scale systematic cyber intrusions against foreign governments, companies, and infrastructure, with hackers of one company claiming to be able to target users of Microsoft, Apple, and Google. The cache, containing more than 570 images, files, chat logs, offers an unprecedented look inside the operations of one of the firms that Chinese government agencies hire for on-demand mass data collecting operations. Now, every government does this to some degree um but <laughs> this is the first one where it's so overtly disclosed um i've not seen any of these documents um, but if you follow the link through hometown over to the washington post like i always say we only have this little snippet um, then you can go over and read all of this and then come on back. I don't know if I'll ever find a debrief of this somewhere else. Um, it really, it just depends. Um, but the Washington Post article is um, by Christian Shepard, Kate Cadell, Ellen Nakashima, uh, Joseph Men, and Aaron Schaefer. Uh, I, I don't know if there is a longer version of this or if this is just a little bit um but um yeah I don't, I don't know yeah see I don't, i'm not logged in so i can't see more if there is more i can't see more so it, i don't know that there is it just says video illustration so it may not have a lot of content there gotcha um but this is actually ongoing and and persistent so China hacks into other countries and other countries probably hack into China. I don't know. Um, but we always hear about China hacking in or Russia hacking in or some other country hacking into the United States. Um, and for the most part, it is usually to get intellectual property because it zeroes, the, arguably it zeroes or lowers the cost um of uh, fundamental research you know why spend nearly a trillion dollars in developing material science um, based uh, metallurgy and and adhesives and uh, pharmaceuticals and all kinds of other stuff um, why not just hack in and steal it you know and then miraculously have your own fighter jet that looks really familiar let's keep going 
Oh, and it, by the way, that whole process, it isn't limited to high stakes, uh, material science or pharmaceuticals or military secrets or whatever. It goes all the way down to a fidget spinner. If somebody can steal it and make profit, it'll right, get if it's done. commercially viable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know a prominent uh, woodworking company where their product is being cloned by Chinese manufacturers and sold internally because they don't have a presence internally because of the heavy lift to make it happen. Um, but I don't know what they're doing about it. Um, I haven't looked into Probably their situation. Probably not much. Um, but they're well received. The, the U.S. company is well received. Good luck getting the product in. Anyway, uh, the next article is over in... Oh, and did I throw that one? The leaked? No, I did not. Come on, marijuana. Not even doing your own job there. Okay. So the next article is over in the mobile channel. One-fourth of TikTok users responsible for nearly all content, according to a study. I referred to this as the Pareto principle of TikTok, which is actually 20% impact the 80%. Um, and so a small share of adult TikTok users are responsible for producing nearly all of the content on the platform, according to a Pew Research study released Thursday. The most active 25% of U.S. adult TikTok users produce 98% of public content on the platform, the study found. Like, that doesn't even sound possible. I wonder how that compares to similar stats for other platforms like YouTube. I would imagine it's much more dispersed on yeah. something like YouTube. I'd have to dive into the whole YouTube thing, but I uh, I know that there's something like 2.5 million hours or something like that published on YouTube every day. I, I'd have to go and verify those numbers. I'm sorry. Um, I thought I heard a number earlier today, um, but I, it might've been from good mythical morning. As a matter of fact, I think that's where I heard it. Um, but the article continues to say nearly half of you, uh, nearly half of users, 48% have never posted a video and 60% have never posted a public video based on the study. So they've never posted any video and 60% have never posted something public, um, which I don't know how they can discern the difference if it's private. How do they know that? Okay, well, anyway. Um, so you found that the uh, uh, among the users who do nothing post on content, a tech platform is actually private, as we've been discussing. <laughs> well, eventually, right? Yeah. So let's go over to the hill. Uh, Rebecca Clar uh, might be Claire. I'm not sure how they pronounce it. Um, posted the article, um, and it again, it's over at thehill.com. Um, let's see here. Pew also found that among users who do post content, most don't do it often. The median poster has put up a total of six public videos in the life of their account and has a total of 149 likes in return, according to the study. That's about right <laughs> for our hometown. Um, they also suggest that most users uh, use TikTok to primarily consume, which, duh. You can't have everybody producing content. It's not that kind of economy. Um, no, it, a lot of people just want to go and view things. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the opiate of the masses. TikTok is even 
a less friction prone version of YouTube because on TikTok, all you have to do is show some interest in something and it'll just start juicing you again and again. Just, um, I've heard stories from, uh, parents in particular where they've walked in on their kids sitting on the couch with the phone propped up on the arm of the couch and their head is resting on the arm and they're just watching TikTok videos. And <laughs> I mean, it's an opium den, basically. It's amazing. Now, here's the problem. Everybody falls prey to this. It just depends on slipping you the right drug just in time, right? If I find out that you're really interested in planes, if I play you a video that is entertaining and it's about planes, you will sit there and watch. Just you'll keep on watching. Pew surveyed 2,754 US adult TikTok users in August. The results of the new study looking at adult TikTok users behavior are based on 869 of those respondents who volunteered a valid TikTok handle for research purposes uh, to allow Pew to analyze their observed behaviors on the platform. And that actually provokes a little bit of bias because if you're willing to let somebody view your behavior, you're probably okay. I guess you're part of the median, I'd say the average user. You're not the anomalous. A massive consumer that's just never, <laughs> never without TikTok. By the way, I have never seen an article say the word TikTok about TikTok so many times. Is this <laughs> exactly. article? I think they were getting paid for every TikTok, TikTok reference. Every tick and talk. So yeah, I find it really interesting that so few, according to this, so few create so much for so many, um, but that is the Pareto principle. Um, and here, let me, let me see if I can, I'm not sure if I put it up now, oh, man, I don't have it up. Anyway, you'll have to look up Pareto principle. Okay. Let's keep going though. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the next article is over in the Law Nerd channel. Cheer up. Hey, I can't do everything yet. Uh, the article is over at Above the Law. Um, I absolutely love abovethelaw.com. Above um, what are some of the soft skills essential to good lawyering? Being human is apparently one of them. Um, Jill Switzer over at Above the Law put the article together. The deck statement says, what are some of the soft skills essential to good lawyering? Being human is one of them. They say there's been a lot of discussion about soft skills for lawyers. If you're not familiar with what soft skills are. You probably don't have them. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> if they have to be explained, that's a problem. Uh, use an AI and ask it to describe soft skills. Um, and if it all comes out in zeros and ones to you and you understand it, you're not a holder of soft skills. You might be an AI. Okay. Anyway, soft skills, basically the ability to communicate, um, and, uh, have, uh, 
uh, empathy and compassion, sympathy. Uh, it's the things that aren't technical in nature your ability to read a room, your ability to uh, know when not to talk or I don't know, come across like you really know everything. Like you're the smartest person in the room. Like I'm pretending to do right now. I am not the smartest person in the room. Anyway, um, these could be included under the general rubric of competency, those attitudes and attributes that make lawyers good and good lawyers better. So what are some of the soft skills essential for good lawyering? Last summer, ATL listed eight essential soft skills. Time for a refresher. These are things that apparently AI can't do. So let's find out if they did they number them or is it all one big blob? It's all one big blob. Come on, lawyers. Should I follow this list and just go over to this? No. Sure. First on the list is effective communication. So active listening, you respond to whatever they are saying to you and and it's effective. You don't go off on a tangent when they are talking about widgets. You don't start talking about pool filters. You know, you listen to them and um, it says no multitasking while listening to a client. By the way, you can't, humans don't multitask. If you're, if you're willing to argue with me and chat about it, come and chat. Devoting complete attention. What were you talking about? Right, exactly. I'm too busy multitasking. Steady eye contact. Sorry, AI wasn't actually looking at me. I saw uh, the lack of steady eye contact. <laughs> what were we talking about? The AI is all seen. Oh, no. <laughs> Another soft skill, communication and teamwork. Hey, look, effective communication, effective communication. The next one is communication and teamwork. Look at that. Golly, so they could have just said teamwork because communication is part of effective communication, but teamwork uh, means having the ability to communicate and share common goals and not necessarily fight with everybody so that your particular solution is the only one that's accepted. Uh, 12 angry men again kind of comes to mind. Somebody that's very charismatic could probably push a discussion in some way in a team um yeah it's interesting but teamwork is everybody does a little bit of their job so that the ultimate goal is completed they say egos can and often do intrude into a law practice but if the goal is the best possible result then a clash of egos may not necessarily be the worst thing too often we work in silos rather than collaboratively, so we don't know when or if we are working at cross purposes. So, um, yeah, communication and teamwork. Uh, what else do they have quoted in here? Sense of humor. Is that in quotes? Where is that? It's not in quotes, but they have a paragraph about it. How about, why did they do that? I don't know. That's horrible. How about a sense of humor? Others may not put a prize on it, uh, but without a sense of humor about yourself, other situations, life can be harder than it already is. By the way, ma making somebody laugh, there's a huge upside to it. Um, so anyway, uh, some lawyers think that it it's of limited or no utility in the profession and even undignified. and 
hate to break it to all of those lawyers they've already lost the game um you're gonna get you're gonna get lawyers that basically are like that but they're gonna get clients that are like that and i don't know if you want to surround if you have a sense of humor and you suddenly get surrounded by people without a sense of humor you will freaking hate your life <laughs> um and then you'll want to move on uh, they say the work we do is serious and the potential consequences even more so, but the ability to separate work from life is critical. And even in the workplace, you can crack a joke as long as you read the room. Uh, you know, don't sit there and, and make a, a joke about somebody's demise while the widow or widower is in the room. Right. Unless the they're the one. That occurred. Yeah. yeah. Unless they're the one that opens the door, um, which that's actually happened to me so uh, but not an attorney I'm not an attorney even if I was an attorney I'm not your attorney so go and talk to an attorney um, also on the list are emotional intelligence empathy and understanding these are all things that uh, uh, when I describe and talk to people about where technology can and can't go these are the things that cannot be done by AI or a bot they can be um simulated but right, no it's like the appearance of it right right no bot can have empathy no no bot can understand you that kind of a thing you know when they talk about understanding they're not talking about understanding a definition as it's described in a dictionary somewhere they're talking about understanding the machinations that make a human a human it's the more ephemeral side of things in my estimation based on this sequence of uh, words here emotional emotional intelligence can be simulated um, it may even be able to read the room based on the mechanics of facial uh, analysis voice stress analysis uh, measuring galvanic skin response breathing pupil dilation etc heartbeat blood pressure fidgeting microtels and things like that but it doesn't know you because all it knows is the clinical technical aspects of what a human is so the, these are the things these soft skills are what i don't think can, uh, technology can ever penetrate um and that's what i talk to people about um you know regularly so I tell people we as humans have a requirement to teach our little humans how to be big humans, holistic humans as they grow up and they need emotional intelligence, empathy, the ability to understand the soft skills, compassion, um, sympathy, etc. Um, and that's what makes a human a human because we have a soul. AI though can simulate it to the point where as Westworld, whenever I bring up this type of transition to a hyper reality of AI and human humanoid robotics, I always make this leap to Westworld, the modern iteration of Westworld, not the 70s era um, movie. Although I liked it, uh, the modern version of Westworld is spectacular in asking the question if you can't tell the difference does it matter um that's what these soft skills are 
These are what make us human. It will do nothing for you. They mentioned with all the kerfuffle about AI swirling around its ability to pass the bar, to do legal research, ask others uh, and other tasks uh, that used to, to be within the purview of mere mortals, etc. AI can't do forge that human connection between attorney and client um, and between human and human. Let's just change that to human and human. AI can't do that. We as humans can instill it kind of, uh, what, what's that called? Anthropomorphize the AI and we can lie to ourselves and make us ourselves believe that the AI has emotion based on its tone and its mechanics, whatever it does. Right. But that was just programmed to do something. Correct. I also think this article is translatable to a lot of other professional careers. Yeah. Pretty much every. The same skills that you need if you have any engagement with a person somewhere. Yep. Um, And this, it goes into sales. It goes into teaching. It goes into law. It goes into healthcare, pretty much everywhere where there's human to human uh, connection. But when you start looking around, you see more and more things switching to automation and technology, pulling humanity out of the workplace. And as I said to somebody today, okay (laughs) sorry the ai just kind of the ai is trying out some new sound effects (laughs) that came across uh i i said to someone today that the whole objective of a company is to make profit but more modern businesses are actually buying into a societal positive a societal goal to benefit society um but many people still buy into the ideology that all it is is to make money so if the biggest cost is humans and i can get a bot that does everything just look at um the optimus bot from tesla or the atlas robot from uh, boston dynamics um, and countless other bots that are purpose-built and and not just uh, the the latest kind of bot if i can just spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on each bot and i never have to retrain a human i'm going to be able to make money in the long haul but my company is going to i'm going to walk out into a warehouse of machines but i will be rich because they will be working 24 hours a day seven days a week pumping out whatever product i tell them to so I had a bunch of people basically sitting there going, why do I try? You still try, but you're going to have to figure out what you want to do in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Right. And then we have to figure out if AI is going to be subject to intellectual property protections, as we discussed in yesterday's show. Yep. And universal basic income so that people can actually have food on their tables because humans still matter. So let me throw that into um, the chat. I forgot to throw it into the chat. Sorry about that. 
Um, but the next article is over in hometown daily, Reddit is going public and inviting power users to invest. Um, I thought this was interesting because I know that Reddit had been basically powering down all of the, the um, well, many of the apps that used to tap into its API, uh, both generating content and consuming content. Um, I don't know how many apps still exist, but it had its own native app. And then there were a bunch of others that played with it. Um, but in an effort, I think to consolidate its authority over the data set within it, um, within Reddit, uh, it nixed a bunch of people that might've been taxing it. Um, they made the system more efficient apparently. And it was all in an effort to, um, go public, lower operating costs, etc. On Thursday, Reddit filed its um, S1 registration statement with the SEC detailing its finances and business goals ahead of its imminent initial public offering on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol RDVT. In its S1 document, Reddit said it made $804 million in revenue last year the vast majority of which came from advertising. However, the company is unprofitable at a net loss of 90.8. So it's almost break even um, currently. The IPO will allow it to um, basically fill its coffers with whatever revenue is gonna come from the IPO of Reddit stock. In an unusual twist, Reddit is also giving an unspecified number of its top users, including mods and those with high karma, a chance to partake in this IPO. Um, and, and so this article is over at The Verge. Emma Roth, Elizabeth Lopato, and Alex Heath all work together to put this article together. And the deck statement says, in an unusual move, the company is is giving its most active users the chance to purchase shares in its upcoming IPO. Quote, I have never been more excited about Reddit's future than I am right now, says CEO Steve Huffman. What's really interesting about that statement is the fact that it's the same person that basically told everybody you'll be back. <laughs> um, yeah, I find this an interesting twist, right? Well, maybe once everybody engaged, because now this involves some revenue. And here, and, and that's kind of the kicker here, right? Moderators, mods have always just done it for free. Some of them have been able to parlay that into some type of revenue channel, but I'm not sure how they've done that because it's actually against the toss. Um, Reddit will allocate shares using a tiered system, beginning with certain users and moderators identified by the, by Reddit who have meaningfully contributed to Reddit community programs after their first tier, people with a karma score of at least 2000 and those who have performed at least 5,000 moderator actions will be invited to purchase shares. So somewhere in this mix, what about all of those apps that did such great input of data? They got nixed, so they're not part of this. What about the people who have um, control over who's a mod in a channel? Now they can start excising all of the rest of the people so that they can consolidate power and minimize who has the ability to actually access this particular program. Um, is that happening? I don't know. I just see I've dealt with enough mods that uh, 
I know that they can be rather petty at times. So, um, in its SEC filing, Reddit reports having 267.5 million active weekly users, more than 100,000 active communities, 1 billion total posts. The company says it's reserved 1.3 million shares of its Class A common stock to fund community-related programs that empower Redditors to bring their ideas to life. But really, this is finally paying the mods for their service. Right. But what if you're not a current mod or... I don't know. I just, it's like too little too late. Oh no. You got to think like a sociopath. It doesn't matter. Attrition allowed the ones who survived to profit off of the corpses of the many that died withering away, hoping for one little crumb. More porridge, please, sir. I'm I'm just a lowly mayor of a small town in Ohm Town, you might say. Please give me crumbles. <laughs> Reddit lists data licensing and model training as part of its monetization strategy. And earlier on Thursday, it announced an AI training data deal, which wasn't named, <laughs> uh, but apparently it's with Google. That will give the search giant more efficient ways to train models and real-time access to a reported price of about $60 million. I think uh, when we last spoke of it, it was $62 million per year. Reddit currently generates most of its revenue from advertising as 98% of it came from ads from 2022 to 2023. There's more over here in this article, um, but I'll let y'all go over and check it all out. Um, so you heard it here by way of the verge by way of reddit by way of who else i don't know the uh, ai data deal <laughs> AI i don't know which source that was from i don't know basically the verge um that it was google that was paying 60 plus million dollars a year to get reddit user data uh posts comments and all of that all of that stuff oh by the way Reddit's initial founding was semi AI bound because they used fake uh, generators of users. They may, had fake users and fake posts to populate it so that people believe that there were a lot traction. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Something that I struggle with uh, with a uh, hometown, you know, but I use it personally for my for my um, information overload. And so I opened it up now three years ago for users to come and use as well. Okay, let's keep going though. Got two more articles to rifle through. Hold on, I need to throw this one into the chat. Uh, da, 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 da. Sorry about that, folks. Okay, so the next article, uh, the penultimate one, is in the Hatch Ideas channel, a billion dollar startup is trying to resurrect a woolly mammoth and you can watch it happen. Filmmakers will go behind the scenes of a billion dollar startup, Colossal Biosciences, which uses genetic engineering for de-extinction projects. Oh God, bad, bad, here we come. Sharon Shibu over at entrepreneur.com put this article together. Uh, the deck statement is what I just got done saying. So, 
Colossal Biosciences is a genetic engineering startup that wants to bring back the woolly mammoth. When it comes to potentially negative consequences, Colossal co-founder Ben Lamb told Entrepreneur that as long as we're transparent, people can hold us accountable. So, I'm sure that the first thing to go is going to be the ethics team, the IRB. Um, Colossal is partnering with Oscar-winning director James Reed on a multi-year documentary series to further that transparency. But we won't get any of the transparency until the Oscar-winning director has edited that film. And you can't tell the story until it's complete. So in five to ten years, you'll have your... Uh, that's just me kind of <laughs> finishing this. Oh, I know. That's not in the article. <laughs> um, yeah, they kind of... They want to bring back the mammoth, the woolly mammoth and the dodo bird. Um, well, I know where the last dodo is and something, something political office. Um, so the docuseries will offer an inside look at Colossal's de-extinction projects and its innovative conservation technology that aims to protect endangered species such as elephants and northern white rhinos. The series will also examine how Colossal is using AI to understand animal behavior and the potential impact of rewilding that is what they call uh, taking a child and that y grew up in the pandemic and putting them back into the playground with other children and trying oh, to gosh. stop them from biting. <laughs> and what can happen there? <laughs> Reed, uh, is that Houghton or is that Houghton? How do you pronounce that? Should it be Houghton? Houghton, yeah. Houghton. Um, and Colossal will work together with Jillian Share for uh, Keaton Ridge Entertainment and um, executive producer Michael Doherty on the project. Keaton Ridge Entertainment will financially back the first phase of the production and ultimate uh, aim of finding a distribution partner, which will should probably be the internet for crying out loud. Um, it was formed in 2021 around the idea of bringing back extinct species could improve life today. I don't see how bringing back the woolly mammoth is actually going to do anything. It needs a range to live. Where are you going to put woolly mammoth wilds? Right, since we've left so much habitat undisturbed. Yeah, same thing with the dodo. The reason why things go extinct is because we either contaminate the ecosystem that they exist in or we hunt them out of existence and it's usually because they have something that humans want so you're gonna try and what grow as many woolly, woolly mammoths and dodos and others that have been deleted by humans place them back out into the wild and then spend trillions defending them from human predators that are going to go chasing them down for the very things that made them go extinct and well, or we have the other problem too like if suddenly there's an apex predator or something <laughs> but then it's not i mean it's just going to cause a major disruption although yeah. it's not good that animals go extinct yeah trying to de-extinction um something uh, i find it hard because the ecosystem wherein this extinction event took place 
is still in play. You're going to put 15 of these back out into the wild and they're going to re-extinct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the best laid plans, I think this is, but I'm not going to be putting my... I guess I'll wait. I'll wait for the first woolly mammoth to show up. Let's go on. <laughs> is it going to stay where they want it to go? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Jurassic Park for crying out loud. Exactly. Bad bat all over it. Oh, my gosh. Give me a, a bad woolly mammoth bat. It's going to sprout wings. Oh, uh, the, no. The last article for today is over in the Smack Talk channel. AI threats. U.S. Justice Department appoints AI officer. Call for action on deep fakes is, the, I guess, the first bite at the apple. Um, and I find this as a, a material threat to Reality Hacker uh, as a show. I'm kind of scared. We'll actually end up talking a lot about this because now that I know that there's an AI officer in play and they're calling for action on deepfakes, there's going to be a lot of federal discussion regarding and policy and NIST is probably going to get involved and NSA and other organizations are going to be involved in this. Ben Lovejoy is the author of this article over at 9to5mac.com. Um, Reuters is the source for this by way of uh, apparently Princeton University professor um, points to, reports the uh, appointment of a Princeton University professor to the role of AI officer for the U.S. Justice Department. Jonathan Mayer, a prof why do I know that name? A professor at Princeton University who researches technology and law will serve as chief science and technology advisor and chief AI officer, the department said. Quote, the Justice Department must keep pace with rapidly evolving scientific and technological developments in order to fulfill our mission and to uphold the rule of law, keep our country safe, and protect civil rights, Attorney General Merrick Garland said in a statement. Um, so the call to action is a separate uh, request, I guess, that was made. Um, and it comes from Mashable reporting that hundreds of academics, politicians, and tech leaders have signed an open letter expressing concern about the risks of so-called deepfakes, AI-generated fake videos, which can make anyone appear to say anything. Um, I did this with audio only nearly 20 years ago now. Um, but deepfakes have become so sophisticated that uh, I actually spun up a show called Reality Hacker. Um, and I aggregate data into Reality Hacker here on Ometown um, because I have seen this coming for a decade plus as being a potential problem. I also find it quite entertaining. Um, so it doesn't have to be bad, but it is in many cases because it's used either uh, to corrupt the... Uh, the the true nature of an event or it can defraud people and when i say that uh, the true nature of an event uh, there are deep fakes of people who have been or who were arrested but they were never arrested but for people who lack critical thinking and the inability to perform due diligence they will take that picture as gospel and say look here it is that shows that 
you know, this person was arrested. No, same thing with singing a song or saying a statement or whatever it could be. Um, deep fakes are a, uh, what do they, what, what's that turn of phrase? A credible threat, right? Um, it is a serious threat to any organization or person, enterprise, etc. Because anybody is getting the, the requirement, the technical sophistication is becoming so frictionless. All you have to do now is uh, put in a text phrase and out pops a one minute video uh, that can be and will eventually be so hyper-realistic that it would take a forensic analysis to discern if it was fake or not. And it, that gets really expensive. Um, so the open letter, which anyone can sign calls for legislation to address the issues and the new law should say fully criminalized deep fake. Um, I can't even say it out loud, even when it's fictional, um, establish criminal penalties for anyone who knowingly creates or knowingly facilitates the spread of harmful deep fakes, um, and required software developer require software developers and distributors to prevent their audio and visual products from creating harmful deepfakes and to be held liable if their preventative measures are too easily circumvented. This I will not sign. That right there is, um, how do you, it, it would be equivalent to the death penalty being an absolute. Um, I don't agree the, the problem with the death penalty, even in existence, is when it's leveraged, it can be leveraged to the point where it's a false positive and you can't bring that person back when the truth is revealed. Require software developers, the, the statement here, which people are apparently signing, states, require software developers and distributors to prevent their audio and visual products from creating harmful deepfakes, which cannot be done. If somebody because wants, if you can create software or whatever, you can basically create anything you want with it. Well, no, I can take any piece of software and create something harmful with it, regardless of how, what your moral or ethical compass is telling you, you can't stop me from using the software in a way that could be harmful. And it says, and to be held liable. If their preventative measures are too easily circumvented, the problem there is you have to be a superior intellect and create something that can't be too easily circumvented. What is the subjectivity of too easily circumvented? How pliable is that? For one person, it's a piece of cake to circumvent security measures. If you know assembly, I can remove security from a piece of software. I can decrypt stuff, particularly nowadays with AI. I can just run an algorithm and eventually I'll pull the key out of thin air. I, I cannot encourage people to sign a document that has something as squishy as trying to uh, it's it's just an untenable position this one in particular so and i understand other deep fakes fine um 
I, I mean, <laughs> number one is pretty obvious, you know? Right. I mean, that's not in controversy, but, but you can't put them all together. So if there isn't any fidelity in it, then they can kiss my shiny metal ass. I can flat out say that I agree with number one, right? I can flat out say that there should be criminal penalties for people who knowingly create and knowingly, but not knowingly facilitate. I mean, you have no idea what they are knowingly facilitating. Spreading the harmful deep fakes is very subjective because I can talk about deep fakes on um, reality hacker. And is that going to be considered as spreading harmful deep fakes because I'm talking about it? I know from experience that I can sit there and say something and have an audio track in the background and I'm suddenly guilty of copyright violation. Exactly. I mean, to me, that shouldn't be enough, but we know that that is right. So I don't know. The, and, and then tacking this on, this should be right now already. <laughs> it shouldn't. And it is. You know, CP is entirely illegal, deep fake or otherwise. It actually is illegal right now. You can't even have cartoon or fictionalized. Any embodiment of it can land you in jail. So I don't know. It's, this is too squishy of a thing. Um, and there's laws already in place. All right. So we get back into the party bus, head down main street. I don't know if I can click this. AI, do you think I can click this? There's already like betting stuff on it, which I'm not really too yes, keen Yes, you on. can, you can click it. All right. So. Of course it just updated right after I checked it, but I think it's still okay. <laughs> yeah, it's still good. Um, <laughs> it just happens to be aggregating stuff into wanted and into uh, technology today, which are the two shows that we're adding this weekend. Um, Right, that yeah. was good timing, but oddly enough, that was not on my screen when I checked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Anyway, long episode. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Merwat. That's hometown.com. Up there is a sentient AI from the future. Doing time good here. Good night, hometown citizens. Oh, sorry. I um, we will see you tomorrow for another episode of Hometown Daily at around 8 p.m. Eastern. And then this weekend, stay tuned for Reality Hacker, Wanted, Continuity Report, and Technology Today. I'm tired already, and I haven't even done any of those. <laughs> see you tomorrow. See you this weekend. See you online. See you in the games. Nightingale is a lot of fun. Uh, Deep Rock Miner is uh, another one. Oh, man, there's so many games out that I want to play can't mayoral duties all right see y'all what why is it a blank screen i'll see y'all tomorrow bye bye